This is CliffCentral.com. 360biz on CliffCentral.com. It is 360biz.com. My name is Debo Mafudi. Welcome to another exciting installment of 360biz. It is indeed a beautiful Wednesday evening. You know, this is a show that brings you all things business. Uh, this is a show that we bring you regulators, we bring you... Um, sorry about that. We bring you industry champions and we bringing you subject matter experts. That's why today I'm bringing particularly individuals. Um, you know, um, I would say these people, I don't know, Buleland, should, I don't know, should I say they didn't have a life at some point in their life? Oh, what is it? Um, cause you know, people tend to be serious, dude. We've had accountants and lawyers in the studio, but it has never been this extreme. What is your opinion? <laughs> no, I think, I think it's possibly nerves. Oh, is it? Um, yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to consolidate it and say that it's possibly <laughs> nerves to, to, to fairly give them the benefit of the doubt. Cause I'd like to think that in their respective careers, they deal with a lot of people, yeah. different characters. So we are not, we are nothing new to them. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Are you, are you well though? Um, and I'm well. I'm having an interestingly good day. Mm-hmm. Um, very busy one though, but I mean, it's beautiful. I mean, we're in October, mid month, man. Mm. It feels like the year flew by. Well, we're ever we're ever present in every day, but it feels like the year flew by. Yeah, no. I mean, def- what we've got what six weeks, mm-hmm. excluding December, and we're calling it quits. Uh, but, but but I get December, boss. So I don't know how to, if ever you're ready for for the December season, though. Now, patented the word "get December," boss. So I'm definitely ready. You patented, yeah. <laughs> Trademark. Dude, you, you've got some balls, but we, 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 we <laughs> I think we're going to talk about that. I'm sure, I'm sure there's people that I already know that we can already start chasing that are uh, using that name so that we can send them invoices. Ain't that. Barring, barring, barring before you go to the intro scaba. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, definitely. It is my boy and co-host Bulelani Bala Bala. You're allowed to join in on the discussion. Uh, today we're talking about transformation in the healthcare industry. Uh, I'm excited particularly about the guests that I've got um, in studio today. It is still uh, the transport month. And um, right now, I, feel, I think Bulelani, we've not really followed the states as to how many accidents have actually taken place this year, have they? No, 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 no. Not, not necessarily. We actually haven't. Eh? Mm. Yeah, we actually haven't. But I mean, I think that when you also look at indicators, there has been some indications to show that they have decreased around this time of the year. Is it? Because I mean, it normally picks up after the third week mm. of November. Yeah. That's when it starts to pick up because you must understand that, you know, mm. that's when we start getting into a very jovial mood. Is it? But I'm hoping that our guests, they know their numbers, so they'll be able to tell us um, some of these things. But anyway, the Dutch company, uh, Philips, has commissioned the Future Health Index 2017, where South Africa has ranked the, um, the last among 19 nations in the survey that measured healthcare systems, efficiency, the ability to deliver maximum results as the lowest uh, possible cost. I don't know, but if ever really um, the, the the status of healthcare in South Africa is improving or whatever, I know how the Department of Health has been going to the court cases uh, and a whole lot of losing uh, money because of negligence and some of these things. That's why I mean the future of health index gives a snapshot of current realities and how well a country's healthcare system is set up for the future. The study asked about 33,000 ordinary people as well as healthcare professionals how they viewed healthcare in their country. The authors then compiled data of actual reality that citizens had to contend with using input from leading academic and global non-profit organizations. You know, speaking about these non-global organizations, and I'm actually traumatized because some of them, they're the one that makes most money. 
in Africa in the name of healthcare. <laughs> that's true, man. I mean, when you look at the amount that um, pharmaceutical companies mm-hmm. make, you know, and I think you value that against the CSI initiatives as well as the ED initiatives, you'd find that there's a huge disparity. And I think that to a certain degree, maybe it might be um, a bit of a controversial issue, but I mean, <laughs> we've seen too many publications mm-hmm. about um, large corporates in this particular space trying to muzzle up startup entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs that were innovating mm-hmm. products that would compete with whatever uh, pills or whatever they would have in the market. You know? Yeah. I mean, the healthcare industry is being dramatically impacted, I mean, by an ongoing digital revolution. I mean, from trillions of bytes of information being created by electronic health um, records to the patient's desire to have I mean, ready access to that information. Healthcare is rapidly moving towards digital first environment where personalized medicine and empowered patient, I mean, is the norm. South Africa is on the right track towards ensuring that all citizens have access to affordable quality healthcare services regardless of their socio-economic circumstances. The transformation process is underway with the government's implementation of the National Health Insurance, a multi-billion rand scheme which seeks to radically transform South Africa's healthcare system. Now the question that we raise today is, is South Africa healthcare industry transformed? To talk about the transformation in this healthcare industry, we have in studio Dr. Kwengile, Gagela, is it Gagela, um, or what is it? I'm hoping I'm pronouncing it um, correctly. Please correct me. So my name is Twengile. Surname is um, Gagela, as you've said. Oh, okay. So you cannot you, you, you pronounced it properly. Ongum Yes, definitely Only from Eastern Cape. Oh, oh, PA Kappa. No, Eastern Cape is London. Oh, okay. Yes. Oh, okay. So that's where I'm from. Oh, Doctor Gagela. Uh, um, is a qualified medical doctor at Helen Joseph Hospital and a registrar at the University of Verts. Uh, I know, but, um, yeah, but when I will have about funding, what is in good? You know, we've got as well Miss Bridget Gegana, who's the director of Reintegrate Occupational Therapy Services, a fully black woman owned professional service consulting company that was, uh, promote, uh, prompt by the need for more integrated solutions to providing employers, companies with productivity, skill retention, and disability management. I've got Ezra, who's going to be joining us on the line. It's Dr. Tandega Ngobo, who's a medical doctor at Mafigeng Provincial um, Hospital, who's going to be joining us telephonically. I've got Miss Nailwe Nkhodise. No, when I'm almost so to, and I could tell with the way even um, your surname is spelled. Who's the founder of IMED uh, Tech in Impact um, Entrepreneur? These are the guests um, that I've got um, in studio. So the interesting thing we're laughing about when we're talking about, or when we're talking to Khodise Elia, is the fact that she's into breast. Uh, but here we're going to clarify her. What is it she's doing? <laughs> Um, with this breast, uh, you know, when you say breast, you're traumatizing some of us because uh, we never got an opportunity to be breastfed the way we want to be breastfed. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, Bulena, what's wrong with it? It's it's it's, Bulena, it's, it's encouraged, Bulena, that kids these days need to be breastfed. Am I lying? In, in such a way that, that, that now there's, as much as there's, there's th- uh, things like, uh, the National Blood Service, there's, I know, an organization as well that people can donate, um, milk. 
um, for them to actually be bread fed. Mm-hmm. So it's something that is actually happening. But more than anything, let me take this opportunity to welcome my guest. Thank you for, for coming into studio. Um, then let me give them an opportunity to introduce themselves to tell us who they are and what is it that they do. Are we starting on the left or the right? Um, actually, okay. let me start since I'm the only guy here. <laughs> okay, definitely. Now go ahead. Sir. Okay, so as you said, my name is Gwengile Kagela. I'm from Eastern Cape. Um, I'm currently a resident at the University of Vets. Um, so that's what I do. I'm doing my last year. So I'll be writing soon next year to qualify as a specialist. Okay. And yeah. A specialist well, in what? In diagnostic radiology. Mm. So... Mm. Okay, radiology, you'll be going to be dealing with x-rays So, yeah, so it's x-rays, ultrasound, CT scan, MRI, and mammy's breast mm-hmm. like. <laughs> 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 So, it's, yeah, so that's basically radiology And, yeah, and then when I'm done, obviously, I'm going back to my province Oh, okay yes. No, he did speak about breast, so we got to come to you and oh, you know <laughs> So say hi to our listeners, tell us who you are and what is it that you do Um my name is Nele. Um, I'm the founder of Ametech. So we do medical prosthetics. Mm-hmm. Um, we started off with the breast prosthesis because we had understood that um, we are currently at a time when um, the rate of breast pro- breast cancer is at its all-time high. I mean, the Breast Research Foundation have uh, proven that every 29 seconds, a woman is diagnosed with breast cancer. I mean, the, in the U.S., it's every two minutes. Hmm. Women is diagnosed with breast cancer, so there needs to be alternative solutions to help women, particularly post mastectomy, with a custom-made breast prosthesis that is well fitted for them. Because not every woman can have breast reconstruction. Sure. Okay. Now we're gonna get deep um, into that. Uh, Bridget, do you wanna say hi to our listeners? Tell us who you are and what is it that you do. Um, I'm Bridget Kikana. Please come close okay. to the mic. Okay. Yeah. There we go. Better. Yeah, it's okay. better. Um, I'm Bridget. I'm from Nimpopo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So I'm the founder and director of Reintegrated Occupational Therapy Services. It mm. is a um, medical legal consulting company. So we do consultations for individuals who were injured at work. Mm-hmm. Okay. Injured in accidents. And wanting to return to work or to return to some form of employment and function normally that they used to. Is it? Oh, okay. And uh, let me go um, to the line all the way in Mafiking to connect to Dr. Tandega. Tandega, how are you? Huh? I'm good, eh? No, good, thanks. Tandega, do you want to take this opportunity to say hi to our listeners? Tell us who you are and what is it that you do? Um, okay, hello. Do you want to. Tandega? Yes. Your line is a bit low. Do you want to try um, and speak a bit loud and try again? Okay, hello to you, Dr. Frank, to your listeners. Um, my name is Dr. Tandega Ngovo. I'm a medical intern here in Mafeking Provincial Hospital. I recently qualified. So um, I'm actually from KZN in Aikopo. They call it Aikopo. But I'm here now because I'm working. I'm doing a medical internship. Yeah, no, ev- everyone in, 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 in the studio is coming from everywhere. You coming from KZN, when are you coming from the Free State, uh, you coming from uh, Eastern Cape, Bridget, where are you coming from? Limpopo. Why isn't there everybody from Joburg? <laughs> <laughs> you, you have Bulelani from Joburg. No, Bulelani no. doesn't count. Bulelani is part of the show. I'm saying. <laughs> 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 no, 
so but more than anything i think maybe let me let me start with you tanega so that um before we actually um let you go so you said you are an intern doctor what does it mean um okay after studying for six years in medical school i want to qualify then you register with the Health Professions Council of South Africa and then you are um, given the ranking of an intern. So it means that I'll work as an intern for two years. So this is my first day of working for two years. So as an intern, basically, you work under the supervision of your senior doctors, our consultants and our registrars. So I'm working as a full-time doctor, I'm employed, but I need to make sure that I always have guidance, you know, people who will guide me if I'm doing procedures or if I'm seeing patients. So that being an intern just basically means that I have um, a highest provision above me, but I am a qualified doctor and I do take decisions and then I ask for guidance where I need Okay, you spoke of supervision. I've got Dr. Kagela here in studio. Dr. Yeah. Kagela, I guess it's senior people like you that will inspect um, interns like her? Yes, so what normally happens is that the interns will basically see patients, clock patients, then they present the patients to us during ward rounds. And then we tell them what to add in terms of management. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Oh, no, definitely. So, Tandega, tell me, um, you work for a government hospital doing the in, um, your, your in-service training or the, the, the intern um okay. training that you're doing so now yeah. tell me the right now i've realized um obviously by virtue of you doing that um automatically i'd like to assume that you've got a medical aid and mm-hmm. i'd like to assume anything happens to you you'd go to a private hospital but however what would you say is the difference that you've realized as an intent between the private sector uh, healthcare, and the government sector? um the difference between the, okay, both these hospitals, you know, between the government and the private, our aim is to provide um, adequate health care to the patients uh, when they need it and to make sure that the, uh, the experience is safe and it's fast and they're able to access the information. So, um, however, yeah, in our government sectors, we are still struggling in terms of providing the um, healthcare effectively, mm-hmm. um, more especially because of I think there's a shortage of health workers ranging from our nurses to our doctors, and even those who work in the radiology department as well. So we find that when I go to a government hospital, I'll spend long uh, long hours waiting just to see a doctor or waiting for medication at the pharmacy. Uh, whereas when I go to the private sector. I think they, in, in that sector, they have employed uh, more people, and you don't wait for that long to, you know, to get medical attention. You see a doctor at the time, and even when you have to access your medication, it, it's easier that way. And getting the records of your, you know, your past medical history as well, it's easier. So I think that's the main difference. You would see when we, in the public sector, we tend to wait for long hours, and basically. The main problem is because of the shortage of, of health care workers, whereas on the other side, they tend to be, you know, have uh, adequate health workers who are working there as well. Is it? So now, um, so are you intending to work for private, continuing going forward or for, uh, for health care, uh, for government? Currently, um, I'm not planning on going to private into the private sector anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I think when I wanted to be a doctor, I was prepared to see I'll see 
volumes of people today. I went to work overtime, you know, I'll get home tired. Because, uh, you know, when you're going to private, you, if a patient is here, I see 50 patients in private, I can be seeing 20 patients, you know. So I think I was prepared when I went to medical school and after medical school. So, um, no, I'm not. After internship, I will be going back to KZN and a COPO because I was a tertiary holder. And I will serve under my district for five years. And I'm not complaining about that. I have an option of choosing not to serve under my district. So I'm repaying back the tertiary money they used uh, to, to fund my studies. But... Um, I think my heart is in serving the people, and you know, my heart bleeds when I see how many people come to hospital and wait long hours for that. So I'll just stay and add to the two that are here instead of me <laughs> kind of like running away and going through the private sector as well. Okay, no, it's fine. Let, let us not keep you from saving lives. I think let me speak to your supervisor here, also your superior. <laughs> 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 then hopefully we'll get to have you in studio next time. Okay, thank you so much. Okay, it was uh, Dr. Um, Tandega Ngobo. Um, I mean, uh, um, training uh, Dr. Kakela, she, she's raising a, a very valid issue um, that I've realized has been affecting a lot of doctors. You find um, in the healthcare space, um, there's, uh, there's been, um, what should I, how should I call it, an, an unsatisfactory from the especially intent doctors coming in that at some point they even strike. Uh, because of the condition of uh, the healthcare space um, in our country, what is your opinion on that? Um, you know, from internship, you are taught to work all those long hours, 24 hours, uh, 30 hours after working 24 hours. In the morning, you have to go to the clinic mm-hmm. and see patients. That's just how the, um, the field is, I mean, in, in hospitals. So, and the reason for that is because of, of, of staff um, shortages as well, like she, like, like she said. So, I mean, it's just the way the hospital works because there aren't a lot of doctors that are working in the hospital. So mm-hmm. you have to cover, you have to cover clinics, you have to cover uh, emergency. And then when you're done, you have to go home the following day and you come back. So, I mean, if they can build more medical schools and more people apply to go to medical school, then I think maybe would would cover that gap. Mm. I mean, you speak of um, building medical schools. Uh, Bridget, um, you, did you have to do your internship or in-service training at the government institute as well? Yeah, I did, but ours is called community service, so oh, okay. it's for one year. Um, it's not as hectic as theirs, I guess, um, because we are not really... I'd say we're not recognized as such um, in the government institutions. You would um, see that when you get there, you actually alone... You have to find your way. You have to build up the department from scratch. So, um, yeah, it's it's. Yeah. So 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 I mean, as 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 an occupational therapist, there's somebody that is listening um, out there that doesn't know what is an occupational therapy or what do you do as an occupational therapy. Okay. So occupational therapy in simple terms deals with function. Okay. Okay. So um, they. A lot of people don't know what OT is because there isn't any simple way to describe it other than we return people to f- function normally as they would have before their injury or their illness or um, whatever it is that they brought them to hospital. So um, in occupational therapy, if you were to get an accident and your arm um, was cut off or had to be cut off, we have to train you 
um, to function normally, to return not back to function. So you teach me to use it. one hand? Yes, or to use your prosthetic arm if you were to get one. Okay. Yeah, so that's basically what OT is. Oh, okay. Um, she spoke of prosthetic arm. Yes. You're doing breast. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe, can, <laughs> maybe let's, let, let, let's give us a quickly about, about your background. Are you, are you, are you a, a medic um, in your field? Are you a tech person? What are you? No, it's so funny. Everyone is in the medic sector. <laughs> 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 I just come from the mechanical engineering background. Okay. Um, more of an industrial designer. Mm. So I studied the applications of additive manufacturing within the medical sector. Mm-hmm. Because when we look at the future of um, the medical sector um, in the next five to ten years, mm-hmm. it's going to be a lot led a lot more by tech in how to answer to um, um, our healthcare challenges in Africa. Mm. So um, a lot more engineers are going to be involved in ensuring that we try and meet the challenges that are affecting the medical sector. I mean, but why did you decide, I mean, on your own to say you want to focus on the medical um, field in terms of coming up with your own prosthetic breast for that matter? Um, I'm the girl who wanted to become a medical doctor, but somehow my mom decided that I shouldn't become a medical doctor. I should mm-hmm. rather do engineering. But then um thing is, um, as we grow into innovation, there's going to be a time where all these professions have to meet and unite for us to address some challenges. And healthcare is one challenge that's so important. And um, I decided to get into that space because I, reali- I realized that, um, I mean, the beauty of additive manufacturing was that it was f- offering a lot of possibilities mm-hmm. within the medical sector. You know, the possibilities of being able to create custom designed prosthetics for people, mm-hmm. um, not just breast prosthetics for women affected by breast cancer, but your leg prosthetics, your um, prosthetics and even internal organs that is where we're looking at in the future yeah so then i mean coming to you dr kakela you look more like a social person man. you look more like a socialite um i mean the perception is that doctors are not um sociable i mean how do you find the balance for me for that matter i've never even seen a male doctor with dreadlocks and looking the way you do uh, stylish and everything so <laughs> well thank you um so you know, when you are in a in a rich program, it's it's a bit difficult because you know you have to go to go to work, come back, study, mm-hmm. and then if you have a partner, you have to also maintain that balance as well with the partner. So it's kind of difficult. Um, but I chose to be single anyway. So oh, you chose to be single. Yes, because oh, okay. I I no, because I, I couldn't I, I couldn't balance everything out. So no, don't worry. We go we go hook you up. So no no I'm good I'm I'm good. <laughs> so <laughs> so um you have to balance. Uh, you have to go out on weekends. You know you have to see your friends. Make time for your friends. I mean on Friday nights, take a break. Don't study. Go see your friends. Go hang your favorite spots. Um, yeah, go go watch a movie on Saturday. Maybe study in the morning, in the afternoon. Go to the park. Go see your friends. That's how I I I balance things out. Mm, okay, mm. so but now you're almost done, obviously, with your studies. So you can start living a little, right? I can't wait. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely cannot wait to finish. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, tell. Okay, then maybe. So now tell me, what what's what's your plan? Where now when you finish, are you going? Okay, you said you're going back home. Uh, in the Eastern Cape, are you going to be working for a hospital? Are you going to be running your own business? Hmm. So, you know, the the 
the nice part about going to small towns is that they know how to retain stuff as opposed to Johannesburg. So they offer you a good Wow. Pay. Yes, no, 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 that's, that's true though, because I mean, they know how to retain stuff. The thing is, the reason why most doctors leave the public sector is because they're underpaid. So then they go and they, they go to private mm-hmm. and they balance that out uh, with the money they get in private. So, uh, when I'm done, obviously I'm going back to Eastern Cape. It's a small town. They're going to retain me in the public sector. I'll work and serve the people as well. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, on three days, I'll go to private for a day and I'll work there. That's, that's my plan. Okay. Um, um, <laughs> Bridget, uh, Dr. Kagera Arawi can retain staff. You are an employer. <laughs> um, I mean, maybe let's start. How many, how many, um, therapists do you have? I have about 20. About 20 therapists. Yeah. And are you able to retain those um, therapists? I'd like to think so. I have a very low staff turnover. Um, I have OTs that have been with me for about five years. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to think that I'm, I'm a good employer. Okay. So then now, obviously, you started being employed yourself as yep. before you became an employer. Yeah. Um, were you satisfied as an employer, as an employee? Um, or you just couldn't wait to start being an employer? I couldn't wait to start being an employer. Like I said, as OTs, we're not recognized in the public sector as such. So we're not um, as well paid as they are. So you you really have to find a way. Look, look at how <laughs> look at how Dr. is looking. Well at paid. <laughs> no. Yeah. But you just said they know how to retain. No, you guys. I, yeah, I know. I was saying in in small towns they know how to retain, but yeah. in Johannesburg and you know bigger cities they don't know how to. Okay. Yeah. So um, I feel for occupational therapists it's the same everywhere. So mm. it's um, well you do get that rural allowance the in the small towns, mm-hmm. but I feel it's still not sufficient for the amount of work that we do. Okay. Maybe let me let me let me let me. Let me I wanna get I wanna get your story. Um, one I've never. S- I know there's not a lot of um OTs, especially black OTs, mm. um female OTs for that matter. And even top it all, those that run their own businesses, you decided to say you wanna you don't wanna be employed anymore. You wanna be employed. You wanna be a, the employer and um, do this in your own business. Um, why could it, weren't you satisfied being an employee? Never. I think naturally, um, I like doing things myself. I like being in control of what I do. So in the government sector, I found that I didn't have the platform to be in control. Mm-hmm. So um, I had to find ways that could actually satisfy the person that I am. I had I I have this character in me, a business character in me. So mm. I had to go out there and satisfy it. Secondly, I was not satisfied with the way I was paid. I felt that I was be I was doing too much and um, paid little. I remember I had to bake muffins to supplement my income and actually make money for petrol, mm-hmm. and I felt that was a bit uh, unreasonable. I didn't go to school for so many years and struggle so hard just to be paid like that. So I had to make a way myself. Tseko, hmm. was okay. You seem you seem to be blessing Tseko. Tseko, you okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you okay? No, man. I think one of the biggest things that I'd like to know is what are some of the challenges you come across as a female entrepreneur? Sure. Um, for me personally. It, it's my age worked against me, especially in the medical sector. I deal with clients that um, handle other people's money and um, whatever I do revolves around money. So if they send a client to me, they depend on me to um, 
give them a good report that they can take to court and um, claim a huge amount of money or a reasonable about m- amount of money for their client. So I had to... <sighs> I had to fight in a way, not physically, to actually push my way through and break all the boundaries that were there for me. You are young, you are female, you are black. Um, you cannot give us what we need. They needed 10 years of experience for you to be um, representing their clients in court. And I didn't have that. So um, that was uh, the biggest challenge that I had. And I mean, how do you work around that? I mean, 10 years is a big loop to jump, you know? I didn't even have the 10 years when I started the business, hey? Um, I think I had about um, four years of clinical experience and then I just went for it. I just had to work very hard and prove to them that I actually can do the work. So they ended up believing in me. Hmm. You're a female entrepreneur. What are some of the challenges you've experienced? Um, With me, one of the biggest challenges is that we are trying to build a whole new market that has never existed at all in South Africa and in Africa as a whole. So the biggest challenge is how do you then pivot yourself to make sure that um, it's a well-flourishing market, you know, because... um, when we are constructing this, it's not just for myself only. It's mm-hmm. for future generations. There needs to be more players into the prosthetic industry, particularly using uh, 3D technologies, using robotics, using artificial intelligence. So um, the biggest challenge is how do you then pervert yourself? Um, you might remember that one of the biggest technology that we use, which is additive manufacturing, has been run like a mafia market. Mm-hmm. It was a harsh, harsh thing. No one really knew about it. So having to now start talking about it out open in the public, you now have to package it in such a way that it's more attractive and that it will create a more reputable market and industry for the future. Hmm. Uh, Dr. Kagena, I've got a concern. Most of you doctors don't start your own businesses. You're happy serving the community under somebody else's and training or under the government or under it's, it's, it's maybe those that specialize and the GPs that would open up a surgery there in that point in time. So why do you think that is? Are you not encouraged to be entrepreneurial? Um, we are encouraged. The, the thing is that most most doctors are specializing. They do open up their own businesses. They open up rooms in, in private hospitals. And so, I mean, when you, when you finish medical school, you decide whether or not I want to specialize or I want to be a GP or I want to go into corporate mm-hmm. or if you want to go overseas. So those are the different, um, things in medicine. So most people specialize and then they go into private and they have rooms in, in, in the private hospitals. Mm. And what is your opinion on, um, national health insurance? Um, I think it's, I think it's a good system and it's going to benefit a lot of the, of the, um, you know, at the, the disadvantaged people, because mm-hmm. you know, medical aid is now is it's mostly for people who are working and who can actually afford, you know, discovery and and all those other medical aids. So the health system will help to balance that. Mm-hmm. Yes. So now, you being a doctor, obviously, you deal, um, you refer some of the clients um, to to OT, and as well, there's some of the clients that you need to recommend prostate, um, prosthetic, sorry, yeah. uh, once obviously there's parts that. That have been cut. You sitting in the midst of two ladies, um, that um, affect or that you rely on, um, directly, and and they're running their own businesses, um, as far as as serving that need, um, is concerned. So if ever right now you were to speak to to Bridget, 
in terms of where the need is at, where you are at. And if ever you were to speak, um, you know, to Nele as to where do you think her next innovation should be as far as um, prosthetic is concerned, what would you say to her? Um, you know, I, I, I think that question would be good for someone who's actually working with patients. Um, I don't really work with patients. Oh. I, so what happens in my department is that patients come in from, mm-hmm. they refer to radiology, from surgery, from orthopedics who... Let's say a patient has been involved in a car accident or not. So then we scan them. After we scan them, we report what we found on the scan. Mm-hmm. Then they read our reports and then they re- refer to the OTs and the, and the breast, um, people. Okay. So we don't, we don't, we don't see patients first. We just, we, we scan them and mm-hmm. then we just give our report. Okay. Nele? You wanted to say something? Um, yeah, I actually wanted to say something because um, I believe that somehow within our industry and within the radiology industries that there's a huge gap, you know, because mm-hmm. uh, particularly to say that um, what we work with a lot more in creating prosthetics is the scan data that we get from radiologists. And because um, a lot of times they have not been innovating a lot within that industry. Therefore, it impacts our industry too because with us, we are fast-paced. We want to innovate new ways on how to capture up patient's affected area and be able to create custom design prosthetics. So for us to ever get to an extent where we are able to uh, create uh, custom-made parts, we need a lot of innovation within that sector. You've got a comment. No, no, no. I'm saying like that's 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 all well and wonderful, etc. But the problem is that we we depend on government. So when they come into the hospital, they present to our department, and then they have to go to the CEO and get approval for that innovative machine. Or yeah. Mm. So we depend on government. So I'm sitting here thinking, currently at Barra, we don't have tissue. <laughs> so now, no, honestly, like you know, you you see patients, mm. you scan them. They don't have tissue, so now imagine now if if the hospital can't can't even maintain that part, how, how are we going to afford a machine that does all these, you know, yeah. wonderful things? Yeah, no. uh, Bridget, what what are some of the innovations around your space? Sure. You know, um, I was listening to her um, saying that she needs to she designs all these prosthetics and stuff. And funny enough, I also do splinting. Um, I also I also do assistive devices. So. Um, it's not my field of practice at the moment, but that is part of OT that helps people to return to function. So it's sort of like we're similar in a way. And, um, yeah, that's, that's basically it. I can't think of anything that's very innovative, mm-hmm. um, in OT. Everything is there for you. Mm. But, uh, but, but, but I know you've got questions for Naila. No, man, I think some of the, just to backtrack a bit, what is artificial intelligence? Because, <laughs> I mean, we got listeners and someone is sitting there thinking, so what, what are you talking about? What's, what, what's artificial intelligence? Um, normally, just to break it down in, in simple layman's terms, it's more of, um, um, a lot, a, a lot of times is in, you do pre, recorded algorithms and coding on how you would want a certain component to function. Um, so um, in prosthetics, particularly with the bionic arm, uh, we use AI to say that the bionic arm needs to be able to do perform certain functions um, in correspondence with the body. So you write algorithms to say that um, 
if someone wants to hold uh, a bottle using the bionic arm, AI needs to assist it for it to open it and hold the bottle and be able to lift it. Now, I mean, uh, as, as, as a female entrepreneur, are you finding that um, a lot of women are jumping into this space or is this just something that opened up recently? Not a lot of women are jumping into this space. Um, I, I, I could say um, it's quite an interesting one. With me, I've always been a, a, a lot more of an adventurer. It's not just women only. Even a lot of men are not jumping into that space. Sure. Yeah. yeah so, but, but, but I, th- I think for me, with Neda, one thing that I'd want to, to know is that right now, how many are you having people that are already using the prosthetic breast that you've? Yes. Um, because what we have done beyond just us selling the product, we've been giving it, um, away to a lot of patients at public hospitals, particularly where I come from in the, in Bluefontaine, because we had seen that, um, the number of women who've had mastectomy at public hospitals who don't get a quality breast prosthesis. So we've been doing it as a social project. You know, I had, I had hoped that I would see this prosthetic breast of yours <laughs> to see you, Hori. You know, cause I'm thinking, I'm, I'm, I'm a guy. The next thing, Obambi, you know, you're thinking that. Can <laughs> <laughs> you please explain so, to our listeners what Bambi okay. means? Oh, okay. The next thing, you, you, you hooked up, you hooked up with someone and you, 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 you get home and, and, um, Obviously, many of you start undressing them. Then I don't know. Does it start falling? <laughs> How does it look? How does it feel? Yeah. Um. um can can because one thing, uh, radio, it's theater of the mind. Yeah? So I'm sure there's somebody listening out there that wants to imagine how does this prosthetic breast looks like. I'm sure. Uh, uh, you know, Kekana, Luena, you know, you know, you want to know how? It yeah, definitely. No, definitely. <laughs> yeah, so, can can you explain it to us since you didn't bring it? Right? Okay. Um, it's a natural like um soft um. Silicon breast prosthesis is it's made of um, medical grade silicon, so the feel of the product is more like it's as soft as a natural breast would feel like. So how we created our product is that we wanted to move away from your conventional breast prosthesis that are made of silicon gel, and we started using platinum silicon uh, that is not wrapped around with a plastic film. So when you hold it, you can still feel like you are holding a breast and it's lightweight too. Hey, well. What a <laughs> innovation is something else, eh? Hey, dude. Sure. I mean, you'll be thinking, else. you'll be holding it, you think you're real. I know, this is breast <laughs> hand, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, we're trying to move away from, um, we want women to be able to be confident in wearing a breast That's prosthesis. True. That's you know, true. Because more than just it being a breast, you know, it's you gaining a form of functionality because when you lose one part of your breast, it becomes uneven and whenever you have to wear a bra. Mm. Yeah, no, no, no. I can, I, I can imagine. I, th- I think, I think you're doing beautiful work, especially right now, uh, with the pandemic that we have. Reality is, um, breast cancer is affecting a lot of women, um, in the world. Um, so you're part of the solution. So I, I really encourage, um, what you do, and I really hope that you're getting support out there. Yes. Um, but now, what would you say are your top three challenges? Let's say somebody's listening, either whether it's an investor, whether it's a doctor, whether it's somebody that could really give an opportunity. What are the three critical things that you need in your business for you to blow up? Um, well, the first challenge is that uh, we need to get a lot more support from the country. Um, 
people, particularly the government, it needs to understand that now more than ever they need to invest in prosthetics. Mm. And I'm not just talking about breast per se. I'm talking about prosthesis as a whole because beyond just us getting patients coming to us who want breast prosthesis, we also have patients coming to us who um, have lost limbs due to diseases such as um, diabetes diabetes. So we want government to start investing in that. We want government, particularly at public hospitals, Mm -hmm. to start getting machinery that will enable a a radiologist, that will enable occupational therapist to and us as well, people in the prosthetic um, market, to start doing seamless work and ensuring that patients get prosthetics quickly. And more than that, we want to get um, a lot more people within the field of biomedical engineering, mm-hmm. biotechnology, because in as much as we do, we're doing this work, we lack a lot of skills in South Africa. So we always have to tap to international people to work with. We don't have a lot of people who have interest in the field, the field that we're doing. So whenever we want to grow it and make it massive, we always lack talent in South Africa. Mm. Okay, Dr. Kakela, media has always um, had reports, bad, bad public um, reports for that matter as far as healthcare is concerned. I mean, what are your views um, on this? And do you think is, is the system improving? Is it worsening up? And yeah. Um, hmm. I think uh, they need to employ um, hospital managers that are qualified to okay. actually run hospitals instead of just taking any person who's done admin and putting them to run the hospital and you know so they need to first correct that first also um, uh, they need to involve uh, the different disciplines in medicine uh, when it comes to buying of machines you know and you, you can't you can't take someone who's done admin and tell them to go and buy uh, a CT scan mm-hmm so you need to involve people like you know who are who, who know uh, what a CT scan is and 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 etc. And also, um, yeah, like like I mentioned before, the whole thing of um, of equipment mm-hmm. and like like I was saying to you before, like at Bear right now, we don't have tissue to wipe our hands after seeing patients. They run out of tissue. Um, at some point, they didn't have like so there are a lot of things that are that are that are just going wrong in the public sector, and that's why people tend to go to private. Mm. And and work in private okay. because of all those Mo- frustrations. Mo- Mo- most private healthcare are, are white owned. So, according to you, as a doctor, do you think the medical industry or the healthcare industry of the country is transformed? Are we are we talking about it? Um, okay, so the, the medical industry in, in terms of the hospitals are they are they are they are they getting better? Transformed in terms of no, getting better? Or tra- transformed in terms of ownership and management. No, I don't think so. I think I think um, as you said, most most um, private hospitals are, are run by, by by white people, mm-hmm. and they're actually they're well managed because of finances. And I think if government can can channel um, funds to health, you know, mm-hmm. would get equipment, you know, would get more stuff, would retain more stuff. Because mm. I think also the frustration is that you can't help patients. I mean, if you're working in a public hospital and all all you have is Panado to give to a patient who's had an amputation or et cetera, you know, that also frustrates you. So then you tend to leave public and go to private. Mm. Bridget, do you think there's transformation in the healthcare space? I think they're trying. Um, 
you um sorry I I don't get your name as I forgot your name. <laughs> who, Doctor Kagela or Nebe? Doctor Kagela, please. And and the lady who was on on the line, um, Ngobo. Doctor Ngobo. Mm-hmm. We get funding to to study, um, and um, it's it's mostly black people who are funded. So I think the government is trying to um, start up the transformation process, but we are not there yet. Okay. Yeah. Can I can what? I just add something? No, actually, yeah, actually, when I asked you about transformation, I was actually asking if you if you're referring to maybe like um, the undergrad, undergrad or postgrad, because in terms of um, undergrad, the government has done a lot for us um, mm. in terms of black students because mm. there's a high intake and of black students and a high output of black graduates in in, in medicine. Mm. So they've done a lot for that. I mean, other universities have been slow in terms of transformation, like Stellenbosch. But if you look at a university of KwaZulu Natal, if you look at it, if you look at um, Walter C. Sulu, Plumfontein, Petroy, they've done. They've actually transformed these universities. Mm. So in in that aspect, they've done. What what have they done? Uh, in terms of um of changing the the culture of black students as opposed to whites, I mean when I went when I was doing undergrad, um, the majority of students in my university were black, mm-hmm. and most of them they 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 paid uh, um, a lot of attention in taking uh, black disadvantaged students from Gandla and etc. So even if you're an Indian um, student with seven A's, they would look at oh okay, so Utando you know is from a disadvantaged family background, and the schooling system isn't that great, but he's got six A's, so we'll take him instead. And that person, the Indian Indian person who has seven A's, will go to UCT. Is mm-hmm. it? And uh, Dr. Tande is agreeing with you that you're raising a very important point about the hospital managers and clinical managers um, that we really need competent people uh, to be in those mm-hmm. positions. Definitely. Um, I mean, so now I don't know, but if ever it makes sense to me that why would the system not be in a position of getting competent people? Because right now our healthcare in the um, industry it's losing competent sist- nurses, uh, competent sisters, competent uh, doctors uh, to private healthcare and uh, mainly to international um, healthcare. Now I think I think it still goes back to I mean the challenges we always speak about, especially from an entrepreneurial perspective. Um, people who are supposed to be issuing out funds have never ran a business in their life. Mm, definitely, you know. Yeah. And in this particular context, the people who are supposed to be running the hospital, the efficiency of it, whose fiduciary responsibility is to ensure innovation transpires and, you know, those lines that go on for five hours or two hours, how do we find ways of shrinking it, needs to be someone who is, has been in that space where the doctors have been, they've felt mm. the pain. But, I mean, if I'm administrative, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm not understanding the pain to a certain degree mm. of the person. On the other hand, there are frustrations because if I need to be aided, I'm aided in an express lane and I do not need to sit with the 500 or 10,000 people who are sitting on the other side of the counter. Mm. I think, Bridget, this one relates to you. You were in OT first, obviously, before you became um, a businesswoman. Mm-hmm. And right now, Bulerano, the point that he's raising, I mean, speaks directly to you. Um, would you say, I mean, um, there's opportunity for funding um, out there in terms of opening up the market a bit further? Sure. I think opportunities are there, but um, very limited. Um, and it's very difficult to access the opportunities. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay. So, um, would you say opportunities are, are there, Nana? Yes. Um, 
I would say there are a lot of opportunities. Um, a lot of times when people say that um, there isn't a lot of transformation within the healthcare or government is not doing a lot within the healthcare, mm-hmm. I would like people to just take it a step a step backward to say that uh, what is government's role in ensuring that we are improving healthcare? Okay. Because it just it, it shouldn't we shouldn't look at hospitals. Mm-hmm. The fact that government is going um, to an extent where it's saying that it's supporting healthy living by promoting food that improve our healthcare mm-hmm. means that it's doing something to prevent a lot of people going to hospitals. The fact that government is investing in institutions that support entrepreneurs doing technologies and systems or services that um, are innovative enough to prevent people from being sick, it means that government is doing enough. So whenever we, we look at government's role within healthcare, let's not just look at it at um Hospitals, because I could give you a list of, say, 20 innovations that have been supported by government within healthcare in the past two years only that are, are impacting um, hospitals right now or even the healthcare of ordinary South Africans. I mean, um, innovations such as uh, patients get to get um, um, their medication brought to their homes seamlessly. Um, it's something that is helping with. Uh, alleviating um, situations where you find people standing at law queues at the hospital. So sometimes whenever we try to bring our government down, we need to take a step forward and look at how much they have invested within healthcare and not just see it as um, looking at the long queues at hospitals because um, within the past two years, government has done a lot. I mean, I'm a beneficiary of the support mm-hmm. that government has done to improve healthcare. Okay. Although it's not as big as I had hoped, but they continuously try to assist in ensuring that within the next five years, we are not going to have a lot of people coming to hospitals because we would have impacted health care and ensured that we preach preventive care as opposed to treatment because treatment is expensive. Okay. So for somebody that is listening that wants to, um, that wants to, get hold of you in terms of supporting you or supporting your business? Uh, do you have a website address? Do you have contact numbers? Um, what is it? Um, my website um, is uh, of our product. It's Nene Prosthesis. Okay. Um, I'll, you can share it on Twitter and our contacts. Should I say them live on air? Yeah, no, not can. just our number though. No, my, my yes. work <laughs> office <laughs> number. I, would, I, would, I wouldn't share my cell phone number. Yeah. Um, it's 011. Mm-hmm. Two five nine. Okay. Nine zero two nine. Zero one one two five nine. Yeah, nine zero two nine. Nine zero two nine. Do you have a website address? Yes. Um, it's neneprosthesis.co.za. Oh, is that's for the product? Yes. Oh, okay. No, definitely. Uh, Doctor Kagena. Um, when obviously you're not running your own uh, business yet, no. you're not. <laughs> oh, is it? So, are you on social media? Um, I. <laughs> you are. <laughs> I am on social media, um, but I'm not really active. I oh. mean, yeah, no, I'm not active I'm on social media. <laughs> 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 where, where are you active? Oh. Where are you active? Um, Instagram. Okay. Um, but that that's about it, actually. Not Facebook, oh. yes, but not that much. Mm. Twitter, not really. So. No. Oh, okay. So, yeah. so for people that wanna be inspired by you, uh, what's your Instagram handle? 
It's Kwengile, C-W-E-N-G-I-L-E. Okay. Kwengile. Kwengile. Yes. Nice and simple. Oh, nice okay. Simple. Uh, Bridget, for people that want to get hold of you, do you have a website address or office number? Yeah, so it's a Reintegrate OT. A reintegrate OT? Yes, that's zero zero and our number is zero one two Mm-hmm. Three four two five one seven eight. Zero one two three four five three four two five one seven eight. Oh, okay. And before I forget, yeah, we still on a campaign on raising funds for one thousand breast posts. This is okay. For women. Tell us quickly about that. Um, we're raising funds for one th- to provide one thousand breast posts. This is for women from mm. who in public hospitals okay. who cannot afford our products. So, if anyone wants to support the project, they can still follow it on our website. Is it so uh, on the same website that, yes. that 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 you gave away? Yes. Oh, okay. We usually close off the show in style. There's somebody that is listening and um, that's on the verge of giving up, and they listening to you today, maybe being inspired by you. So, what would you say to that person today that's on the verge of giving up? Thirty seconds worth of inspiration, Nela. <laughs> Nela, you starting. <laughs> Thirty seconds worth of inspiration to someone that's listening. Um. I mean, I always say a simple, the Nike slogan, um, just do it. Just do it. Well, I don't say they should, should give, should give up, uh, but then, um, life is, is hard, you know, um, mm-hmm. you can never get life as easy, you know, um, it's hard. They should just, uh, um, accept the challenges that come with living life and they should find joy in living life and, um, I mean, take it from my journey. I've gone through a, a whole lot of challenges, but I'm here today because um, I believe that this journey was given to me mm. and I was destined to be something. And they should just take courage in the fact that you need to carry on no matter what and you shouldn't just give up. 30 seconds. Um, we all walk on different paths, so um, don't compare yourself. Other people, mm-hmm. um, everyone is fighting a different battle that you know nothing about, so yeah, don't give up, you know, wake up, fight, etc. Yeah, okay, 30 seconds, yeah, same, go out and get it, um, use what you have, don't wait for somebody to come and give it to you, don't wait for people to give you handouts. Do use what you have, use your voice, use your hands if you're very good with your hands, if you're very good with your voice, use that. Mm. No, definitely, you guys were amazing, thank you guys for coming through. Um, hopefully uh, you'll go out there and continue being an in, in inspiration that you are to the rest of the world, South Africa. Bulelani? Get things done. Get things done. Ladies and gentlemen, this is all that we had for you today. My name is Debo Homafodi. Catch us again next time for another exciting installment of 360 Busy. If ever you've just tuned, you can always go to www.cliffcentral.com to catch the podcast or even download the Cliff Central app. Uh, this is what we had for you today. Catch us again next time. Uh, same time, same place, right here on Cliff Central. We out. This is cliffcentral.com.